you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, I bring you the show here each and every week. And it is uh, with great pleasure that I have today's guest on. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of jokes over the times. I think it might be your fourth or fifth time jumping aboard the show, but it is Matt Kelly. Another Kelly, spelt with a second E, but uh, it's my pleasure to, to have Matt back aboard. So, Matt, uh, what is your uh, overall thoughts on how long it's going to take for the show to, to go off the rails? Are we going to give it over under five minutes? No, oh, under five? Under five? Right now. It's going off the rails right now. Oh, officially, I'm yelling. It's off the rails. I'm taking over the host chair. I have the Show sheet in front of me. Cole, well, what do you think about Antonio Brown? He's a beast, right? Is he the best wide receiver since Jerry Rice? Uh, he, he could well be, but uh, I'm going to Yeah, right there. I just did it. See, I just did it. You started answering the question. You can't start answering the question. You have to hold firm. You're in the host chair, Cole. You're in the host chair. I'm not the host. I'm the guest. You drive. Well, I that... sit and I go wherever you take me. We, uh, we really did go off the rails in uh, rapid fashion there, but to get the show back on track, and uh, I'll take the host and duties back for the rest of the show. Uh, oh, you think you will? Oh, the, the entire rest of the show. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> brazen to say that. Uh, for those of you who are joining in for the first time, maybe you're one of Matt's legion of listeners. Uh, if you can follow the show on iTunes or Stitcher, tune in. Uh, any way you really want to listen to a podcast, you can follow the OTA podcast do give us a subscription there and of course you can rate and review it as well while you're at it uh, the show is brought to you by a couple of different uh, affiliates but you can also check them out on overtimeireland.com click that affiliate link and uh, of course today's show is brought to you by nflshopeurope.com on nfl shop europe uh, pretty much the nfl uh, equivalent of nfl shop in uh, the european union but you can also ship it worldwide they give you 10 percent off for using our links up on the website just click through the banner ads and that gives you an automatic 10 percent off at checkout so uh, that is nfl shop europe.com and i guess uh, before the show gets any further off the rails we'll have to let matt get a few words in i'm just i can see he's just itching to jump back in so first of all uh, peeling back the curtain this show was meant to be recorded on wednesday we changed up our schedule a little bit so i did send over that show sheet uh, on uh, tuesday and so some of the topics may have to be switched up a little bit on the fly but again uh, antonio brown uh, what are we going to say about him is he just a beast is he the best wide receiver since jerry rice <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He's better than Randy Moss. This is not a hot take that Antonio Brown's better than Randy Moss because we are discerning about how players age. We know that Randy Moss didn't care much about longevity. He wasn't someone that you you saw bench pressing on his front lawn like Terrell Owens. He did not care about strength and conditioning. That's not what you think of, right? When you do a a thought experiment when you think about, you know, if I just did, uh, you know, uh, uh, shoot a name and then give you my snap judgment on that player. When I say Randy Moss, the next words that come to mind are not strength and conditioning. But that's what happens when you think about Antonio Brown. You think about a guy that when he's 34, no one would be surprised if he's producing at the level he's producing now. Then when you do again, you just – Weave that thought experiment in your head. Oh, wow. Okay. So wait. So if he's at, whoa. So if he's at 5,000 yards, that means then he'll be at 10,000 yards. And then pretty soon he'll be at 15,000 yards. And then that's Jerry Rice territory. So 
He could threaten Jerry Rice's yards record. He could threaten Jerry Rice's receptions record. He cannot in any way. It is impossible. It is actually impossible. He could he could play till he's 45 and it would he would not break Jerry Rice's touchdown record because Jerry Rice hit the double digit touchdowns early in his career where Antonio Brown really didn't get going until age 25. That really put him way behind in touchdowns, but because in the new NFL offense where that's 60% pass-to-run ratio, the reception's sort of trajectory for Antonio Brown is right there with Jerry Rice, assuming Antonio Brown plays until age 29. It's amazing. And we could be there. I mean, you wouldn't doubt him. At this point, it's been five years where he hasn't missed a regular season game, and he's been the metronome of production at the wide receiver position. No one would question this. I think uh, the only two things really will probably stop him in that quest is whether it's injury or whether it's uh, obviously Ben Roethlisberger is getting older and who who comes in after him. But 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 no, the Ben Roethlisberger is a fake argument. Yes, okay. If they replace him with Paxton Lynch, he's in trouble. Okay, <laughs> but when a franchise recognizes, oh, we're losing our franchise quarterback, we need to transition, right? Well. They make moves. They go out and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not like Pittsburgh is just going to sit and say, no, we're not going to go out and acquire a quarterback. We're not going to try to get better at the quarterback position once Ben Roethlisberger leaves. He's not going to fill the void with like a wide receiver off the bench. It's going to be a proper NFL quarterback that replaces Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not worried about that. Landry Jones is worst-case scenario backup in the NFL. They're going to upgrade from Landry Jones. Therefore, Antonio Brown will be fine. It's not like Ben Roethlisberger has even played well the last two years. Overall, he's been buoyed by Antonio Brown, and whoever the next quarterback of the Steelers is will be buoyed by Antonio Brown. I think that's uh, pretty fair. Somebody who played a little bit of quarterback this past week was Mohamed Sanu, and he had a 51-yard touchdown pass to Julio Jones off a, a wildcard snap, and uh, pretty pretty nice play overall. But he's now six for six, uh, 228 yards and three yeah, touchdowns trade for in his Mohamed Sanu, put him a quarterback. That, that's exactly what we should do. The Pittsburgh Steelers get uh, on the phone this offseason, get Mohamed Sanu over and play some snaps next year for the Steelers uh, at the quarterback position. But I know when I was on your podcast, uh, maybe maybe six weeks ago now, Julio Jones was a big topic of conversation in that show and obviously you were pretty much right on it that he had struggled continuously up until uh, this past week where he had kind of one of his first breakout games of the season. We talked on that show about were we concerned about Julio Jones for the rest of the season. What's your thoughts now at this point as we move forward into the last couple of weeks? The, the Falcons offense has slowly but surely started to, to turn into a little bit like what we've seen last year. Julio Jones is a top five wide receiver in the league. I think he's number three. He's number three. He's the wide receiver three in fantasy football. Oh, we're worried about Julio Jones. Suddenly, he's the wide receiver three. Well, that's what happens when you have a player that's that volatile. He's actually very steady without scoring a lot of touchdowns and without giving you that 150-yard game. Otherwise, very steady. He had the seven catches for 80 yards. Well, in 15 points a game, that adds up over time. That helps your PPR roster. And plenty of people needed a win last week and Julio Jones delivered it and they're now in the playoffs because they drafted Julio Jones in the first round. I happened to draft Julio Jones in the FFPC where unfortunately the regular season ends (laughs) week 11. So I was not helped 
by the week 12 explosion by Julio Jones. I did break a computer monitor when I heard that and saw that because my team was on the cusp of the playoffs. I just needed one of those Julio Jones performances to land in weeks 1 through 11, and I would have made it to the playoffs in my first high-stakes league ever. But no, alas, no. You mentioned as well the, the steadiness of uh, Jones. He's pretty much been steady throughout his whole career. But uh, out of uh, though, he has two hundred and fifty-three yards uh, in that game. It was only the third most of his career. So shows how much it is. Two other obviously mo- monster monster games. One of those coming uh, last year as well. And uh, if you look at an interesting stat of his, he has eight hundred and twelve of his eight thousand six hundred and forty-nine yards have come in just three of his ninety games. So he has nine point four percent of all his. Total yards throughout his career in just uh, three games. So we have. Are you? Did you intentionally find a stat where you would say tree twice? Mm. I feel like you backed. I don't think I did. Reverse engineered a stat to talk about on the show so you could say tree twice. We're going to have quite a few different uh, topics coming up here. We have tree, and uh, there's another one later about uh, uh, a pick six. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. But I, I hadn't intentionally done that. But I've seen now that it is. I much, felt like much I was being punked, to, uh, or this was all you know. This was like a Truman Show situation. This was all engineered for, for to get a reaction out of me. I feel like I'm being baited, Colm. That stat might have been sent in uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. There's pretty much all of the Twitter reaction to the, me being on your show was uh, regarding the word tree and the word pick so we'll get we'll get to that in a yeah, little bit six yes but uh obviously uh this past week we've seen uh, greg olson come back from his injury as well and unfortunately for any greg olson owners and fans out there uh, he re-injured that foot uh, he missed 10 weeks this season he's had just uh, 24 snaps he's not uh, coming back can we stop this this this, this uh, speculation that greg olson will be back on the you know playing in week 13 no you need to project go ahead and project ed dixon to get a full snap share this week enough you know talking about how greg olson might play this week you know he could go he's gonna gonna he's gonna test it out no no it's a lost season for greg olson's move on from greg olson it's the ed dixon show and ed dixon is maybe the most volatile tight end in the league where he's either giving you nine catches for 150 yards or he's giving you one catch for eight yards. Well, that's the Ed Dixon that we know and hate. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the tight end position's tricky, man. If you don't have Ertz, Kelsey, or Gronkowski, you know, Graham was good for a very specific swath of the, of the, of, of the season. It's those guys. And if you don't have one of those guys, it's been very it's it's been an impossible position to navigate. You're streaming a Ben Watson last week. It's just not going well. Streaming tight ends hasn't gone well. You really needed to get one of those top four guys, or it, you've really been buried by that position. Yeah, it's been a tough year for tight ends. But you were going through the names there, and uh, somebody who similar to Ed Dixon, who's been that uh, you know player that we've kind of loved to hit as the season went on. It's Hunter Henry, and I'm expecting oh, a, a big, big, a big, big week from him this week. As yeah, you're expecting by, a so. big week, so he will give you one catch. Pretty much, that's what yards. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. but he, he's going to be in far too many of my lineups this week, so hopefully it, it works in my favor. But uh, <laughs> Greg Olson, as you mentioned. Uh, it just looks like a completely lost season for him. And uh, I think when they traded away Kelvin Benjamin to the Bills, they were hoping to get uh, Greg Olson back to, to full health. But obviously, that has not worked out. He's and, been uh, very healthy throughout his career. I mean, yeah. Greg Olson has Incredi- had one incredibly of the, 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 the yeah. pristine health careers, similar to Antonio Brown. You know, five years without missing a regular season game, something close to that anyway. So it was bound to happen. 
He had, a, he had a spell, I think, that he, uh, he he set the record for the tight end position of most consecutive snaps. We see a lot of tight ends that they're only in for passing plays at the minute. Say certain players like Jordan Reed, who, uh, well, obviously he's not in for anything at the moment with his injuries, but certain players are only in there for the passing downs and they're really not proper tight ends. And Greg Olson, somebody who he's in blocking and receiving, and he, he set a streak for all snaps for tight ends uh, over a two or three year period. So he has been uh, on an incredible run of health. So sometimes that just catches up again. We'll see. Uh, how he comes back I think it'll be next year before we see anything sticking on the Panthers we have a question in from Emin Bertini I hope I said that right it's on Twitter at Bills Mafia 80 uh, who do you think is next year's Devin Funches this is directly directed completely at you because we know that you love yourself some Devin Funches but he is or he said is it Adam Thielen and I think you have to say Adam Thielen is this year's Adam Thielen and Adam Thielen is last year's Adam Thielen because he's just uh, in a different class but uh, can you predict who your love will be for next season I don't know. I mean, it, it's very. I, it just comes naturally. I, 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 no, I mean, it, it's we don't know. It's very hard. I, I would like an, an off season to really. I, what happens is, you need months to go by without football, right? We are getting a full night's sleep, and you have long showers. I love to think in the shower. I'm a big shower thinker. Many of my best ideas. The idea to start PlayerProfiler.com came to me in the shower. So lots of showers. And eventually, in one of those showers, the the neuron will fire, and I will have that aha moment and say, oh, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy that we should all proclaim truther status on, where I can wear my truther robe for the remainder of the offseason for that particular player. The one guy that I know early on, you need to be stashing in Dynasty, who no one talks about who could erupt as soon as next year, but it might be you know, two, three years down the road. We don't know, but it's someone you can't drop in Dynasty because of his talent profile and the team he's on is Austin Carr. You need to continue to roster Austin Carr in Dynasty. Keep him on the taxi squad. You might be tempted to you know, pick up a streamer to try to win you know, a particular week in the playoffs, try to make a tough decision. Drop someone else. You know, drop Javorius Allen, drop someone who's actually giving you some production, but not enough production to start, who doesn't look like they have a long-term future in the NFL. Drop that player off your dynasty roster before you drop Austin Carr, because Austin Carr was one of the most productive wide receivers at the college level last year, and now he's on the Saints. And the Saints wide receiver depth chart is suddenly very shallow long term. We don't know the future of Willie Sneed. They seem to have soured on him. Brandon Coleman doesn't look like an NFL starter. It's not going to work out for him. He's a scarecrow out there. He's just too slow to play the position full time. So you have Michael Thomas and a bunch of nothing long term on that Saints wide receiver depth chart. Don't be surprised when Austin Carr steps into that role and becomes sort of Lance Moore 2.0. I think that Austin Carr can bring to Drew Brees what Lance Moore did, but better. Yeah, I think that's a very good strategy. And you mentioned like Ted Ginn, you know, he's getting older, he's getting up there. So there is opportunities. And uh, obviously they haven't been passing around this much, but this year. scan, uh, Scan the offenses that you know will be in the top 10 next year and look just below the surface on those depth charts. And that's the place to find the the ideal truther candidates that you can you know plant a flag on stick them on your wide receiver dynasty uh, taxi squad and go from there 
I, I can give you one more. I can give you one more. Tyler Boyd is interesting. We loved Tyler Boyd coming out of Pittsburgh. Why? We Because we liked him for the same reasons we liked Antonio Brown, that he was very active in on special teams and in the running game. So he has that versatility that shows that he's just good at football. So anytime you have a guy that's good at football, 42.7%, 85th percentile dominator rating. So he was hugely dominant at the college level in all phases. Now that's just receiving. The college dominator is just receiving. Once you add all the special teams and the rushing that he brought to the table in his final year at Pittsburgh, Tyler Boyd was one of the most essential offensive assets in college football two years ago. And he has an 18.8 breakout age, which is 92nd percentile. He really is a Swiss Army knife wide receiver. Now, the Bengals offense will improve next year. It was a regression year for the Bengals offense overall. It will improve. A.J. Green's going to be 29. Brandon LaFell likely will be out of the league or you know marginalized next year. John Ross may never be a player. He may never be a guy that contributes. We have no idea why he's a game day inactive right now for a top 10 pick. That's shocking. That is shocking. Even Mike Williams was playing on game days after suffering the neck injury and having a slow start to the season. At least he was active. For John Ross not to be active is an indictment and a huge red flag for his future. So then that leaves Tyler Boyd potentially the number two option and an A.J. Green injury away from being the number one option for the Bengals next season. He's a guy that is available in a lot of dynasty leagues that you can stash. And I think this is the perfect time of the year to, particularly if you're in a team that's obviously not in playoff contention, to be trying to stash those guys at the bottom of your roster. And so you put me onto a player that's going quite well at the moment. Uh, early in the off season, when you were on the show, you mentioned uh, Austin Eckler, and he was somebody. You know, it kind of was mentioned in passing, and I don't know if any of the listeners picked up on it, but uh, he was somebody I stashed in quite a few of my dynasty rosters at that stage of the preseason, and obviously he's been able to be a spot start in a couple of games. But as somebody looking for some more help at the, the running back position heading into 2018, Gronkaholics Anonymous tweeted in, 2018 rebound prolific offenses to execute a backfield drafting strategy, obviously trying to get a head start in acquiring these players. And Dynasty said that last year, you uh, led him kind of the New Orleans, the LA Chargers, obviously touching there on Eckler uh, and the Washington backfields, which has really helped him so far this season. Is there any teams, as you mentioned, there kind of taking a, a screenshot off next season and positions that you expect to have a, a nice bounce back? We've seen Todd Gurley as well have a monster bounce back this year. Any players in that kind of category that you think could be money in 2018? Well, the backfield drafting strategy worked out really well this year, right? So again, isolate that those top 10 offenses. The offenses that are skewing pass heavy. So on the player profiler depth charts. So you go to playerprofiler.com, click on depth charts. We now have the pass to run ratio on the depth charts right above the quarterbacks. So you can see those teams that are passing 60% of the time and are leading or top 10 in the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns. You know, the fantasy point epicenter teams, right? the New England Patriots. So isolate those teams and then think about who's going to score the touchdowns when they get in the red zone. Oh, running backs, right? So maybe uh, uh, monopolize the backfields of those teams and go from there. And so the, the thought process was, oh, we'll just monopolize the New Orleans running backs 
You can start drafting them in round five, get Mark Ingram. Then you can get Adrian Peterson in round eight. You can get Alvin Kamara, Kamara in round 10. And you can monopolize that New Orleans backfield. That worked out really well. Really, really well. I mean, well. really well. I mean, so well. I mean, two top five running backs in fantasy well. <laughs> two top five running backs on the same team well. That's beyond my wildest imagination. When I came up with a backfield drafting tactic in the shower comb, I never imagined that you could get two top five running backs using that strategy in rounds five and beyond, but that's exactly what happened. Now, not necessarily in Dynasty. This was a Dynasty and redraft strategy with the Saints. Just redraft. I was absolutely monopolizing that Washington backfield for the same reason. And then you get, oh, top 10 running back, Chris Thompson. And then once Chris Thompson goes down, oh, we're looking at a top 10 running back in Samaj P. Ryan, assuming, assuming that the Washington tackles can somehow rebound and get back to full health. I mean, you watched last night. Once all those offensive linemen went down, then Samaj P. Ryan was going to be neutered. Of course, yes. Okay, if you have no offensive line, if you're last in the league in run-blocking efficiency, Samaj P. Ryan isn't going to do well. He's not going to play well if there's nowhere to run. I understand that. And if they can't move the ball because Kirk Cousins is being sacked on every play, I, I yes, okay, but assuming that – they patch this offensive line back together in Washington, then Samaj Pirine absolutely looks like a top 10 running back the rest of the way. So backfield draft, we knew the Washington offense was going to be productive. They're going to have a lot of red zone opportunities for their running back, and now it's all about Samaj Pirine. It was just one Rob Kelly injury away from being super fantasy relevant and a Rob Kelly and a Chris Thompson injury away from being a top 10 running back. Oh, that's exactly what happened. And now next year, absolutely, you do it with Melvin Gordon and Austin Ekelar. Because Austin Ekelar, I know he looks like Danny Woodhead, but he's bigger than Danny Woodhead was, right? So he's 200 pounds. He'll probably go up to 205, and he'll be able to handle a 60% opportunity share if Melvin Gordon goes down next year. 94th percentile burst score. 82nd percentile agility score on playerprofiler.com, and he was a mega producer at Western State. He was just the small school guy that fell through the cracks. Aaron Jones almost fell through the cracks, but the Packers drafted him at the end of the draft. Well, he's essentially the next Aaron Jones on the list that just didn't happen to be drafted and no one had heard of him until he rose up the depth chart. I love these stories, man. Don't we love the Danny Woodhead stories where the guy comes from a small school, he doesn't get drafted, and then he just works his way up the depth chart just by being excellent and getting the attention of the coaching staff? No one helping him, him doing it 100% on his own. I know that you're in Ireland, but we have something called the, uh, the American work ethic. And the American uh, we, we dream. Have we have work ethic here. We don't have any dreams. So we have no yeah, dreams. I, I understand people work hard around the world, <laughs> right? I understand that. But you know, we take pride in this American work ethic and the American dream. And someone like Danny Woodhead is the personification of the American dream in the context of the NFL. And now we have Austin Eckler in that Chargers uniform again, following the same path. But he did it much more quickly. Danny Woodhead was cut by the Jets, right? And then he went to the the Patriots, and then he was, you know, not re-signed by the Patriots, signed with the Chargers. But Eckler's only 22 years old, so he's a much more valuable dynasty asset 
than most of the running backs his age because he is on that Chargers team and they have a propensity to feed the running back. Last week, Austin Ekelar, five red zone touches. He had more red zone touches than Melvin Gordon. And you remember this, right? We remember this story with Melvin Gordon, how he would not get the red zone touches. It would They would go to Danny Woodhead. Remember Melvin Gordon's rookie year and every all the hand-wringing over Melvin Gordon's lack of red zone touches? And why are they giving the ball to Danny Woodhead in the red zone? Uh, they're doing the same thing with Austin Ekelar. Yeah, and I talked uh, last night with uh, Matt Money-Smith about uh, this game coming up, uh, the Chargers and the Browns, and he was talking about it's a not-fair comparison to compare him to Woodhead because he said he was bigger and more explosive than Woodhead ever was in his career. And uh, obviously you mentioned as well Melvin Gordon. There seems to be some legitimate concern around the the Chargers based on uh, Gordon's knee, and he just maybe he started well the first couple of weeks of the season, but pretty much over the last three weeks, I think he's been kind. I think he's sucked over the last three weeks. So you still have uh, to play him against the Browns, though. I had oh, you have to play so him. many questions on Twitter. People want to get creative. They want to find a way to bench Melvin Gordon. They're afraid, just like they wanted to find a way to bench Des Bryant last night. No, no. No, it has been very, very bad. It's Melvin Gordon. He's playing the Browns. You don't need any more information than that. Come on, man. We talk about uh, the Browns. The the start of the season, they were very good against the run. But over the last two weeks, back to back 100 yard games to uh, both Fournette and Joe Mixon. So I think we could see that happen again. And I expect this game to be an absolute blowout this week. But talking to the Cleveland Browns will bounce on to somebody who's coming back for them this week. It's Josh Gordon. Hugh Jackson has said that he wants to play him as much as possible, get him involved. It's his first regular season appearance since 2014. So. He's going to be playing, uh, you know, there behind Corey Coleman, and obviously Deshaun Kaiser continues to struggle under center. But answer this question for me: Garden is blank the rest of the season. What is blank? I don't know. Is that the end? Okay, that's a very simple answer. And no, but I don't know. What, what do you want me to say? I don't know what he is. I have no idea. Is he more explosive at this point in his career than Corey Coleman? No. Does he have more upside than Corey Coleman? No. Enough. He's a number two option in that passing game after Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman is better everywhere on the football field at this point than Josh Gordon. I can say that flatly, and I don't know anything about what Josh Gordon brings to the table at this point. I just know he's been out of football for a very long time, and how quickly we forget how explosive Corey Coleman is. It's just that Corey Coleman is doing the best he can in the Deshaun Kaiser offense. And this idea that Josh Gordon can win with any quarterback is a fallacy. He just happened to have success with the Brandon Whedons and Brian Hoyers and Jason Campbell's uh, in the the, the, the Browns' all, all illustrious the <laughs> quarterback past. But that was one random season, one outlier season. No one would ever – who no one's arguing that Josh Gordon can replicate, right, was it that was it the 2013 season? Right. There's no way. No one's saying, oh, he can replicate that. Oh, he's a 1600 yard receiver. No one thinks of him as a 1600 yard receiver. The idea that even if he never took another you know, drop of alcohol or drugs, that he would ever replicate that anyway. It was a it was one of the great aberrant seasons in football history. And that is propelling his perception the, the following season. He played seven games, and he was hugely inefficient. 
And that's largely not because, oh, he was he started doing drugs. No, it's just variance. It's just variance. So I think that it's not the toll that the drugs and alcohol took on Josh Gordon's body. That's not the concern. The concern is variance. The concern is that we have this perception of a guy based on an aberrant season, and I'm always very wary of running out to best-case scenario on those players. I'm much more of a bird-in-the-hand type of guy, and that's Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, incredibly talented, and we'll see what happens this week. It's a a tough matchup for both wide receivers facing off against this Chargers secondary. Now is the time to get Corey Coleman in Dynasty. Absolutely. When there's there's, the perceptions now there, oh, he's he's now the number two option on the Browns, and you know Josh Gordon's back forever. He'll never get suspended (laughs) again, right? I mean, it's it's crazy how people talk about these players. Now's the time. Oh yeah, well, just uh, trade me Josh Gordon. I'll give you a or Josh. I'll tra- trade me Corey Coleman. Yeah, trade me Corey Coleman. Uh, second round pick. Uh, maybe another player you like. Sure. Yeah, just uh, Corey Coleman. Yeah, just throw him in the deal. Why not? You know. You know. Make that sound like. Make that sound, and it'll happen. Yeah, I I would need to check this up, but I've uh, acquired Corey Coleman in uh, two different trades over the last kind of three to four weeks. Thank and, uh, you. Thank you very. Yes. Yes, I can't even you know what the, you're the, doing. Do you listen to Roto Underworld Radio, that podcast? I've heard of it. Seems like you do. But uh, I, I can't even remember what I gave up, but it wasn't that much. No. Again, we've seen uh, D.D. Westbrook as well, and he's not, uh, you know, we'll oh, see what D. happens D. moving forward. Oh, Westbrook's thing, yeah. Colm. D.D. Westbrook's new. Uh, Corey Coleman's already been around a year. Oh, the luster's <laughs> worn off. No, no, no. Oh, oh, uh, Corey Coleman is tethered to Deshaun Kaiser. But but D.D. Westbrook, he's tethered to Blake Portals, and that's a big upgrade over Deshaun Kaiser, even though they're essentially the same guy. Uh, but the thing, uh, it was uh, I've got him and a couple of throw-ins, basically, because he missed the first uh, was it eight weeks of the season. And people just once, if you're playing in Dynasty Leagues, don't just go, oh, there's eight weeks of the season gone. This guy who I wanted to have in the offseason is now crap. Yeah, It's Dynasty. You're going to have to take maybe two or three years sometimes to get a, a full run at these guys. So don't just be stupid. And, but if you're in my league, be stupid and just throw them guys onto my roster. I'll take them to, to have for next season. And uh, if we're looking then, you mentioned Blake Bartles. Uh, this one kind of hurts me a little bit. Uh, Marcus Mariota has nine passing touchdowns in his last 10 games. His 2.9 touchdown percentage is behind guys like Blake Bartles, Eli Manning, who has been uh, dropped this week by the Giants, and Trevor Simeon, uh, among a couple of others. So, uh, you know, I, I've been a big fan of Marcus Mariota and I have him in a lot of my leagues but it has been a rough season uh, do you think it's a case of Mariota regressing or do you think it's a case that uh, Ken Wilson Hunt is a not a good coach okay listen to this Marcus Mariota well known for taking care of the football correct that's yeah, his reputation yeah. right are you going to compare him to Alex the Smith? football no? is in good hands with Marcus Mariota right going back to Oregon right doesn't throw interceptions right right yeah right 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 So he has 12 interceptions this year, and my contention is that that has shaken his confidence because how could it not? How could it not? Here's the thing. On playerprofiler.com, we have interceptable passes. Do you know how many interceptable passes Marcus Mariota has thrown? Uh, I'm probably going to guess that it's close to that 12 It's exactly 12. Every single pass (laughs) that could be (laughs) intercepted has been intercepted. I mean, defenders have better hands against Mariota than his own wide receivers and tight ends. (laughs) In fact, 
passes that aren't even technically interceptable have to be considered technically interceptable because Corey Davis will bat the ball to the defender that wasn't interceptable, and then he'll the receiver will deflect it and make it interceptable. I mean, he has been snake bitten this year. Marcus Mariota is snake bitten in Dynasty. I'm happy. Because, A, he's healthy. That's the most important thing. Keep Marcus Mariota healthy. That's the most important thing. He is a long-term asset. He's not going anywhere. And we know the Tennessee offense is only going to get better with Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, and Jonu Smith, and Derrick Henry. Oh, my God. Oh, just saying those names back to back to back to back to back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Something's happening in my pants, Cole. What is happening? Get out! Oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, but the, my desk oh, is rising up. This is I'm, crazy. I'm watching. I'm I'm watching this on a video screen, so it's even more unfortunate for me to have to see the visual as well as hear the audio. But uh, and we also have danger plays on PlayerProfiler.com, which is any time that the quarterback puts the ball in a position that it could be turned over, even if it doesn't get turned over, even if they fall on the ball or you know the the defender gets a hand on it, whatever. Thirteen danger plays is 30th in the NFL. He's one of the still yet despite the 12 interceptions still one of the best protectors of the football. He treats the football like uh what are those what are those like ceramic eggs called? You know those 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 those, those, those very valuable ceramic eggs. Let's go with let's go with porcelain, but that's yeah, not the right word. He treats it like one of those porcelain eggs. Like th- that's he he treats it with such care, and he's still doing that. It's just the balls are just somehow finding their way into the defender's arms, and that's just variance. We knew that he couldn't sustain his red zone success rate, that was the best in the league the last two years, and so the red zone success rate has reverted back to a mean. The interceptions have reverted back to a mean because he was going to have an unlucky season. This is the perfect time. This is the time now at this very moment. Because at any point, remember, at any point in the season, Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis could erupt and start scoring long touchdowns. And then all of a sudden it clicks into place. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Marcus Mariota is going to be great for the next 10 years. Yeah, no shit. Duh. 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 So get him now. When it hasn't, when it's just something in your mind's eye, when it's just in your imagination, when you can't see it actually happen, you can't evaluate it properly. You can't put a, a proper value on it in Dynasty. So that's the time to get the guy. But you, you need to hurry because at any moment, any week, it could be an explosive week for those wide receivers. And then everyone's perception of Marcus Mariota changes just like that one week. And I have to, I agree with everything you said. I thought when you mentioned, uh, you know, that he was very safe with the ball, I thought it was going to be some way going to lead you to, to, to compare to Alex Smith. And I wasn't uh, going to be very agreeable no, on that no, side no, of things. No, no. Uh, Fabrice egg. Fabrice egg. We got it. Fabrice egg. That's how Marcus Mariota treats his footballs. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on then, uh, you mentioned uh, Derek Henry and we're looking at the, the running back situation. When are the Titans going to understand that? Derrick Henry is better than DeMarco Murray? Never. No. Not even after uh, it, DeMarco Murray retired? I'm telling you, this is a Mike Malarkey offense, and his <laughs> he told Corey Davis after Corey Davis caught all of his four targets for 39 yards, so he had a 100% catch rate. And despite that, instead of saying, oh, we need to get the ball to Corey Davis more, his feedback was, we need to... 
work with Corey Davis on his run blocking. Like that, that was the helpful feedback from Mike Malarkey to Corey Davis after last week. So this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a coach that doesn't understand that the pass play is more efficient than the run play. So either we get a new coach, which we can't, right? So I'm a, I'm a Titans fan, but they have a winning record and they're on top of the AFC South. So there's nothing we can do about it. He's going to make the playoffs and be perceived as a competent coach, even though I don't think he is just based on his pass to run ratio. I know this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know where the efficient plays are in the playbook, period. The offensive coordinator, their head coach, both. They're both guilty of this in Tennessee. And because that's the thought process, I also believe that they think how the old school coaches think, which is the veteran running back that we know, right, that we know he doesn't fumble. And the, and, and these these – these coaches are so perversely risk averse, right? They're, it, it, it's so extreme and perverted how risk averse they are that they would play the running back with no explosiveness if they thought that that running back was less likely to fumble. It, it makes me crazy. But because they think that this player is more trustworthy in pass protection and is less likely to fumble, he will at least garner a 50% opportunity share in that backfield for the remainder of the season. It's gross. And it's gro- it is gross. And even last week, we seen uh, Marty get that touchdown to win the game at the fullback position, but it was just uh, Derek gross. Henry just charging them down the field. So it, it has to change. And I think he answered my previous question that. that he is a he is a crap head coach, but he's going to still be there next year by the looks of things. We're going to go now a little bit of rapid I mean, fire. I wish the coaches help. had to be accountable to the players for the plays that they call and not getting Derrick Henry that touchdown. I wish that they had had to face off in a room, just those two. And he had to answer for that instead of hiding behind a play sheet, you know, and never having to face Derrick Henry. He doesn't have to face Derrick Henry. He's never going to go visit Derrick Henry in his locker. He's never going to go talk to Derrick Henry. He's going to let Derrick Henry fume and, and days go by before he ever talks to Derrick Henry and confronts him. And Derrick Henry will never have a reckoning with Mike Malarkey over that play. At least Mark Ingram, right, the Alabama running backs, Mark Ingram is one of these guys that, you know, I, I, has the fire in his belly, right? He just happens to, you know, he's not going to take that. He is going to find Sean Payton on the sideline, and he is going to confront Sean Payton when he has his touchdown vultured by Tim Hightower. I wish Derrick Henry would have done that. I wanted to see that because Derrick Henry towers over Mark Ingram. There's this famous picture on the Alabama sideline with the alums, the Alabama alums, and they show Derrick Henry standing next to Mark Ingram. And you can't believe that those two people play the same position in a professional sport. It's unbelievable how much bigger Derrick Henry is than Mark Ingram. It's like it's it's disorienting. Derrick Henry's bigger than everybody. It's I think. unbelievable. And, uh, give him the ball. I think the key is to give him the ball. But we're going to go rapid fire here as we start to, to get closer to the end of the show, and uh, we want some waiver wire guys to help us win a championship. Maybe as this show was meant to come out earlier in the week, your waiver give wires are probably ball! wrong for this. This you know this information is probably absolutely pointless at this point. But running backs who may be getting the ball, and we have uh, Jaquiz Rogers, obviously Doug Martin uh, got a concussion last week, J.D. McKissick, and Mike Davis. Is there any of those 
that could help you. I like J.D. McKissick. Every week that goes by, we talk about trust. The Seattle Seahawks trust J.D. McKissick. The snap share continues to go up. And think about that offense. They can't run the ball. They can't run block. And eventually they understand that. Now they can't stop anyone because all their defenders are hurt, right? So you have Cam Chancellor out, Richard Sherman out, key defenders out, 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 right? So if they can't stop the opposing offense as well, well, they have to score more points. So there's going to be more passing situations, and that means more J.D. McKissick. So we've never seen a satellite back tethered to Russell Wilson really ramp up the production, have like a Chris Thompson run earlier in the season. I think that J.D. McKissick can have a Chris Thompson-like run on Seattle as they continue to trust him and say, hey, you know what? We're just going to play our satellite back on 60% of the snaps. And when they do that, that means McKissick can get 5 to 10 carries in high leverage situations and also command 5 to 10 targets per game. I think that can happen with McKissick because he was a former wide receiver. So I love the converted wide receiver to running back. Oh my. Oh, I love that so much. It's why we like CJ Procise in this offense. He was the converted wide receiver. It's a wide receiver at Notre Dame, converted to running back. It's the exact same story with J.D. McKissick. He just wasn't drafted. That's the only difference. Very similar players, actually. So if you liked C.J. Procise, then necessarily you like J.D. McKissick. Just if you liked Theo Riddick, you like McKissick. If you liked Chris Thompson, you like McKissick. I love the wide receiver turned running back on a team that now has to throw and throw with volume and you have an efficient quarterback, it, it all is clicking into place for the satellite back on the Seahawks to be very fantasy relevant the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think the, the Seahawks just need to, you know, realize that they can't run the ball and go that right. Just put the they ball realize, in Russell Wilson's now, hand. They've the, realized yeah, it. We've yeah, been it saying took, that they need to start time. realizing, hey, you guys need to figure this out, Seattle. Well, they figured it out about four weeks ago. So it's yeah, on. They, they still went out again. They still went out against the 49ers last week, and for the first half of the game, continued to do the same thing: run, 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 and get nowhere. They go in tight at the half. They come out in the second half. They have a more explosive game plan, and uh, they won the game quite easily. JD McKissick's just explosive. Ha- he has a 123.9, 76 percentile burst yet. score, and a 30 percent target share at the college level. I mean, at Arkansas State, they just built the offense around getting the ball to J.D. McKissick in space. So it's been done before. He succeeded before in this role at the college level, and I'm excited to see him play. I really am. It's not J.D. McKissick my problem is with it. It's what I don't think they've fully figured it out. But maybe it's a waiver wire. Darts. We're throwing here. Let's go. We talked about it for far too long. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. My locks for the week. Oh, definitely a cash play. No, I'm talking about the guy with the most upside on the waiver wire that's still available. Because it's not Jaquiz Rogers. I know you're thinking Jaquiz Rogers with opportunity. That's not a good running team. And it's still a committee between Rogers and Barber and Sims on a team that's not a good running team. So get, let me get this straight. A three-way committee on a team that can't run block. No. I'm much too nice because uh, if this was your show, you would have uh, told me that that was far too long of an answer, which happened on three or four occasions. Oh, so that this, was far was too long of an answer. Fire? Let's keep this shorter. I thought yes, rapid this fire was, was over. Fire. No, this is, and this one here is rapid fire as well, and the next one as well. Uh, as we move on to the end of the show, the Sorry, next one Colm. is w- wide receiver. We have Corey Coleman, uh, Josh Doxon, Zay Jones, Marquise Goodwin, and Dontrell Edmond. I, th- I think I know which way you're going to roll on this one, but who who you taking off? Marquise the wire Goodwin, one? bro. 
all about Marquise Goodwin. He's the fastest man in the NFL, and now he's getting an enormous quarterback upgrade. I mean, I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Very small sample size. We talked about Josh Gordon. We're not sure what he is. He's an enigma. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is the Josh Gordon without the drugs. <laughs> of course. Right? He's the Josh Gordon without the drugs of the quarterback position. We don't know what he is. He's an enigma. But I'll take the enigma over the known terrible quantity in C.J. Beathard all day. I think that it could be a significant upgrade at quarterback. And if you have a significant upgrade at quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo is able to get the ball out and downfield to the number one option in that passing game, Marquise Goodwin, it's wheels up for Marquise Goodwin because he's scoring long touchdowns even with C.J. Beathard on occasion. Imagine what he could do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Woo! Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, I know that I've called Zay Jones a compiler and I've dismissed him, but I have to respect his ability to overcome adversity. It's been an incredibly challenging season. He's been the least efficient wide receiver of the last five years at the NFL level, and yet he continues to go out there and grind. And he led all bills and targets last week. He has an incredible athletic profile. I think that he can overcome adversity and start to translate that athleticism into on-field production the rest of the way, too. So Zay Jones, a close second to Marquise Goodwin there. So the rapid fire continues. Moving on to uh, tight end, we have Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, the undrafted free agent. Seven catches, 126 yards and three touchdowns over his uh, past two games. So let's get into the tight end waiver wire. We have Tyler Croft, Charles Clay, O.J. Howard, David Njoku, or Ricky Seals-Jones. Is Ricky Seals-Jones the best player you've ever seen in your entire life? Yeah, Ricky Seals-Jones. I didn't see that one coming. I pride myself on I don't seeing think... the under-the-radar <laughs> players before they ever... Digging, digging deep. I didn't see Ricky Seals-Jones coming. I have other wide receiver, other other. Well, he that's the thing. Ricky Seals Jones was a wide receiver converted to tight end. It's very difficult to track these guys properly. I, I, I listen. I'm rationalizing. I'm making excuses. I'm sorry, everybody. I miss Ricky Seals Jones, but hell if I'm gonna miss OJ Howard. Hell if I'm gonna miss when OJ Howard breaks out when he finally flips the script on Cameron fucking Bright and dominates the snap share, dominates the target share. When that happens, I am going to act. He doubled Cameron Brait's targets last week. He's been productive the last four weeks. It's time to come to terms with what O.J. Howard is, and that's a tight end one in fantasy the rest of the way. A guy you can play with confidence, I believe, in the fantasy playoffs. Get O.J. Howard. Fuck Cameron Brait. Was that short enough for you? That was short enough. Uh, when we move on, uh, obviously we've had uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in there the last kind of four weeks, as you mentioned, when Howard has been getting his production. We've seen a big drop off from Brett. So it'll be interesting to see this week because uh, they're going up against the Packers and uh, Jameis Winston's going to be back. But the Packers don't allow any fantasy points to tight ends. They're number one in the league, most stingy defense for tight ends, least fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So this isn't the week to play O.J. Howard. Okay, okay, but... In both leagues, the playoffs start, the fantasy playoffs start in week 14. So in week 14, that's when you start to play O.J. Howard. You can stream someone else this week. I don't care. And uh, before we finish up, we have one other uh, question come in on Twitter. It's from Scott Pianu, revolving back to that uh, latest appearance in your show. And uh, it was, could we uh, dive a little bit more into the 2018 draft and uh, who would we be looking to select with uh, pick six in the the 2018 draft? (laughs) So, okay, dynasty rookie draft, 
Right, this is what we're doing. We're we're projecting ahead dynasty rookie draft pick number six. Pick six, yep. Uh, Nick Chubb. I've seen Nick Chubb going after the sixth overall pick in dynasty rookie drafts, and that to me doesn't make sense because Nick Chubb is one of the great talents at the running back position that we have at the college level, and it, it's a fine consolation prize. If you can't get Saquon Barkley, you can't get Darius Geis, no problem. Just get Nick Chubb. I mean, it, go look back at the Nick Chubb resume during his time at Georgia when healthy, and if you're not impressed, then I can't help you. So uh, with that, we're going to round out the show, and uh, obviously you can follow Matt on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. Of course, he's talked about PlayerProfiler.com while we've been running through Did the I show. Did I add some Player Profiler plugs along the way, Colm? You did, but you're going to get to add another one now before you nice. uh, rudely interrupt me yet again. But playerprofiler.com. What what is playerprofiler.com, Matt? Wow, open-ended question. I have interrupted you often. Quite a few times. I, I don't know why. I decided when when we started the Skype conversation this morning and you had that backwards <laughs> hat on, I, I at that moment... First, first time I've ever done a podcast with a yeah, backwards hat. Yeah, I looked hat and I, I saw that backwards hat and I looked. I made the decision right then and there. It was decided. And playerprofiler.com is the place to go to look up information on players. When you have to d- decide which player to pick up on the waiver wire, who to stash, who to drop, who to accept a trade offer on, you go to playerprofiler.com, just type in the player's name, and we bring together as many of the advanced metrics and stats that you could ever need to make that kind of decision. So whether it's athleticism, whether it's college production, whether it's on-field efficiency, we bring it all together into one easy sort of unified view of a player. And it's also mobile optimized. You can just pull it up on your phone and it's very sort of mobile friendly as well. There's a lot of other features on there as well. We talked about depth charts earlier, articles and player rankings and podcasts, Roto Underworld radio show, wildly popular podcast that I'm very proud of. But the site is really the engine of everything. Um, because before, there was nowhere to go to just get a unified view on a player. Every aspect of that player's intrinsic ability is measured on playerprofiler.com so you can make the best possible decision for your fantasy team. Yeah, it's a, a fantastic resource, one that I, I really uh, do use quite a lot uh, throughout the year, and uh, I definitely recommend all the listeners go and check that out again. Matt is on Twitter at Fancy underscore Mansion. You'll be able to find out all the podcasts and different sorts of stuff he's got going on there. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and of course, until I'm back with the next show, uh, enjoy week 13. I mentioned... Uh, when I you come back the and I'm the days. host and then you come on my show again, which we'll do this, you know, trade off the baton, you come back on my show this off season. No interruptions. I promise you that. I have my hand up right now. You see it? You see it? My hand up is up. My hand is up. I already feel bad about the, about the interruptions based on the backward hat. So there will be no interruptions. When I'm the host, I treat my guests as you know royalty, right? <laughs> so hand is up. You'll be treated like royalty. No interruptions next time. I'll I'll hold you to that and uh, note to self don't wear a backwards hat when you're doing a video uh, podcast <laughs> next time around especially with uh, Matt Kelly so uh, uh, you learn these lessons sometimes in life things happen you have to just deal with it and move on so backwards hat uh, not to be done uh, in the future but uh, follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland I mentioned that uh, there will be a second show this week I'll be talking with Mike Sherman former 
Packers uh, head coach and that'll be coming out on Saturday so do check in for that one later in the week and uh, until for the uh, I think this is the eighth time now me trying to successfully outro from the show thanks once again for the longest outro in uh, OTI podcast history until I'm back after week 13 with another show have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.